0: I'm so much more comfortable collecting real estate than I am collecting other stuff.
1: This is Collecting Real Estate. My name is Stephen Purse. I'm here with my co-host Bill Hamill.
0: Good morning, Stephen.
1: Morning, Bill. Today we're talking about two seventy nine Troy Schenectady Road.
0: Yeah, two seventy nine Troy Connectivity Road in Latham. Which yeah, so is, this is
1: this is outside of that Pine Hills neighborhood.
0: Yeah, this is outside the Pine Hills neighborhood. But I'm excited when I say Latham because Latham is you know premium location. You know, growing up in Clifton Park, about ten minutes down the road. You know, Latham is has always been that very busy. Growing town in a fantastic school district, and you know, super desirable place to uh, to live and, and also do business.
1: Do you remember around what the date was for this one?
0: We're probably at 2002, 2003, period, at this point. So, you know, we're certainly building a portfolio in the city of Albany, a little bit in Menands. And, uh, you know, once we were able to come around to Latham, it was, uh, it it was nice. We were starting to really kind of connect the dots through the area.
1: Yeah. Those three locations make somewhat of a triangle. Tell me more about the property itself.
0: This one, we approached it, bank foreclosure. At this point, there was a, a real estate broker that worked for Remax that, we had purchased a few properties from, you know, so at this point he was giving me the heads up on foreclosures that he would be listing that that may make sense for me. And, uh, you know, this was one of them and it was a mixed use property right on Troy Schenectady Road, which is also considered route two, very busy street, commercial. And it had uh, a vacant apartment on the second floor and had the first floor, an old hair salon that went out of business. And the owner of the hair salon also owned the building, lost the building. So we were approaching this, you know, as an office on the first floor and then an apartment above.
1: And was your office in Albany at this point?
0: I didn't have an office, so we're now up to, you know, property, you know, 14 or so as far as putting in a portfolio. So, you know, up till now, we're just running our business out of our house, you know, simple administration, bookkeeping, and, you know, running around collecting real estate, working on real estate, you know, out of our pickup trucks, I guess you can say. And, uh, you know, this one made a lot of sense because I I think I was staring at this saying, Hey, this could be our first office.
1: Okay. I think our numbers are off on the the count because there's a couple that you flipped. So you're not counting them for the portfolio and I'm still counting them just to note that what made you decide that it was time to get an office?
0: Well, we, at, at this point we had, uh, you know, we're, we're in double digits now you know, yes, we're, we're a little bit off on our, on our number count, because my numbers are different than yours for, for different reasons. Um, but we now had quite a bit We're we're, um, let's see, 10 years in the business. And, you know, this property had a small space had a detached two car garage. And we're able to now set up shop, so to speak, because of our current inventory, and I was also a real estate broker selling property to different people. So what comes along with that is needing an office space to, to meet potential clients, you know, just to be a legitimate broker at that point.
1: Did you have any plans to hire employees when you first got the office?
0: Yes, I believe we 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 knew that we needed you know, at least a part-time person to answer uh, the phone and do simple tasks. So, um, I believe that we had somebody all set up for that. It was a a tenant that lived in our single-family house at 229 Broadway in Manans. So, when we did get into this purchase and we were rehabbing the space to get it turnkey You know, the the tenant we had a good relationship with was set up to do some part-time work for us at that point in that office.
1: Okay. I like talking about this one because this is the first property that we've discussed that I've actually seen myself because this is the office you were using when I first started working with you. Did you feel like you you almost made it at this point? Because up until now, you've been only purchasing investment properties, and now you're purchasing something for yourself and it's an office. And you can put your stuff in there. You can sit down and say, I'm going to go to work. And I've actually made a business for myself.
0: Absolutely. At that point, it was clear that I could be an entrepreneur in real estate. So I had the real estate portfolio growing. I was a broker. You know, friends and family were, were hiring me to help them purchase property or list their property. At the same time, you know, we, we were buying properties that needed work. So you have that construction end. So I really knew that I could fill my time. I, I, I sit here and, and smile at this point because it was, you know, it's that I saw how much work that could be done based on the business I was involved in but I wanted to do it all. So at that point over the next three or four years, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the business. There's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of different ways to make money. And now I'm running around trying to do it all and, and wear many, many hats. So it was good, but also bad in a way to where I'm really trying to do so many things, not focusing on one or two things and doing it really well.
1: Yeah. It's so hard. Did you have competition on this foreclosure or was it pretty straightforward?
0: Yeah. The neighbor wanted it too. He was an insurance man who owned the property right next door. And, you know, he, he saw this building, you know, probably for the last year, year and a half in a distressed manner. So You know, he knew that eventually something will come of it. So when it did list, you know, he was on it as well. Fortunately, that broker that brought us the deal, you know, I I was hungry and knew about the deal and knew the importance of, you know, as soon as you see it day one, if you can make sense of it, buy it quickly. So we were able to, uh, you know, slam it home faster than he was able to compete I still believe it came down to here's our best offer. We saw his best offer and, and, fortunately we won.
1: So you were working on the first floor and there was a tenant on the second floor. How did that work out for you?
0: Actually the second floor was vacant. The third floor had a tenant and the third floor was just an attic apartment that was illegal so it was mixed space, commercial, but also had a variance for a one-bedroom apartment. So we came into this knowing we had to rehab the garage, the first floor space, conversion from hair salon to an office, the second floor one-bedroom just needed a little bit of work. That was a cleanup and then just take care of you know, getting it fresh and clean for the next tenant. And then the third floor had this attic apartment where a guy was paying like 300 bucks a month. And, uh, you know, we we let him stay for the next probably year and a half, two years. And until he moved out, then we just stopped renting that apartment because it was illegal. You know, someone was not supposed to be living in that attic space.
1: Now, up until this point, you you spent a lot of time running around between the properties, doing construction yourself. Did you see your day-to-day schedule change now that you had an office?
0: Yeah, now I had a place to hang my hat, so to speak. So, you know, between the properties that we're purchasing on, the properties that we're working on, because our deal flow is, is, is pretty good at this point and we're staying busy with all of that. So we have properties to manage properties where we're swinging a a hammer and rehabbing. And then I'm also representing buyers and sellers. So I'm in and out all day, you know, depending, you know, with a, with a, with a work list to do list that could choke you. Um, And, you know, I loved it, you know, so it was just being super busy doing a lot of different things. And, and, and that was our spot. You know, I, I felt, significant at that point where, you know, I, I had an office and, and you know, we got a business going here.
1: At this point, you had, you said 14 properties, how many units do you think it was, you know, 30?
0: Oh, geez, at, at that point, it's funny, because when I would, you know, be with friends and, and still probably having roommates at that point, it was, you know now I'm able to in my head go from property 1 to 14 where friends would say over a beer hey how many properties do you have now and I always had that answer because it was such a a, a deliberate slow rental growth I always knew what my what my portfolio consist, consisted of so at that point I'm I'm able to you know two family two family two family going through in my head to the point where, you know, at that probably 19 or 20 units, okay. um, you know, uh, at that point.
1: Because the property before this was the seven unit. So that's why I was wondering if at this point, were you only looking for those larger commercial spaces or you're still interested in duplexes and smaller multifamily?
0: Oh, yeah, I was definitely the, the, the small two families were still in our wheelhouse. I think at that point, I was very, very still programmed that these two family houses in the city of Albany and starting to get into looking in the city of Cohoes because that's right down the street from Latham. And, you know, two family up and down flats was our wheelhouse. and, And I was anxious to continue that collection.
1: Looking back, would you have gone after bigger properties instead, knowing what you know now?
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. At that point, at that point, I I think going back to continue, take advantage of the opportunities with the small properties, because there still was a lot of, of good profit potential. Um, But opening up, you know, my mind to, Hey, let's, let's really see if we could get into um, an eight or a 10 or a 12 unit based on how well that seven unit was doing. And, and I don't know why I, I didn't make that aggressive mindset jump. Um, you know, it still took, you know, geez, a, a number of years to really aggressively want to do that.
1: Did you say 8, 10, 12. I'm thinking you go after the 30s and 40s.
0: Yeah, well, I, at this point, I went from buying a seven unit then, yes, we bought the office, which was great. That was exciting that 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 was necessary to to make that legitimate step into the business industry. You know, but then I immediately fell right back into the twos, you know, I was calling you know, just because it was what we did, what we got really good at, you know, creating this system of I know exactly what it takes to you know handle one of these two families. And, you know, so it's easy for me to say I should have jumped into the eights and tens. I wasn't even aggressive enough to do that. So I appreciate you saying, yeah, I should have been into the 20s and 30s. But geez, that wasn't even that was I I didn't even think that that was possible for me, which is which is crazy on that limiting belief that I that I had for myself.
1: Would you? Going back, completely hypothetical, would you sell off the smaller stuff to buy one bigger property? Again, knowing what you know now, would that trade-off be worth it?
0: Jeez, it's such a difficult question because I valued building that portfolio up where I was a buy-hold guy, even if I didn't have the limiting belief and I knew that I could get into larger multifamily. You know, I would have my, my goal still may be looking back just to buy the smalls and buy the bigs and then just to build that portfolio as well as I could. Yes, real life kicks in. You only have so much money to do deals and, you know, cash is king. So cash mm-hmm. was always the biggest challenge in growth. So once you do get into the larger multifamily, if I had at an earlier point, it probably would have been necessary where I'm using that equity from the small stuff to get into the big stuff or selling some smalls to get into the big stuff. So, um, you know, I just would have had, had to get much more creative at that point.
1: Where was your deal flow coming from at this point? Was it mostly MLS or was there some off-market deals as well?
0: We were MLS and we were aggressively searching those legal notices in the local newspapers where we were seeking those foreclosure auctions at the county courthouse steps. You know, those where we had some real good success getting some serious serious buys. Um, in that market. So, you know, that's where we felt like, you know, you can get those deals uh, where you're, you're buying stuff at 30, 40 cents on the dollar. And you know that those were the steals of the market.
1: Do you still check those listings?
0: Yeah, we do. It's, It's not like I, I, I should, you know, the larger multifamily doesn't come across that way. You know, we do still check them because I still leave it open for flip opportunities. My wife got into flipping property seven, eight years ago. So that's her enjoyment. And she primarily would like to just buy single families or two families and and flip them. You know, that's more of her comfort zone. So it's something that I'll always consider as long as we can get into it, I turn it over to her. You know, she takes care of the A to Z of, of, of what we do to flip a property. And, and I don't get distracted with it.
1: I think I need to check those listings more often because such an important part of the puzzle is buying right. And you can really find some good deals on there.
0: No doubt. I could even share with you that, you know, the fortune and foreclosures, um, Um, publication that I purchased, you know, that the rules don't change, you know, that that the same, the same concepts still exist on how to look for those and and how to research those and and how to actually buy those. So, you know, it it just, it, it just came about from my learning curve, my education that I was able to, you know, get, you know, so I was able to be aggressive buying that style property.
1: Is there anything you would do differently for 279 Troy Schenectady?
0: 279 Troy Schenectady, do differently. I, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think so. You know, it had its ups and downs. It was, uh, now we have commercial space. So once I did move out of there, you know, 10 years later, you know, I, I found uh, once again, um, how difficult sometimes, you know, it is to, to rent a a 900 square foot office. You figure that you could just put it up for rent, just like an apartment and it would rent. But, you know, uh, you know, I went through a couple stints over the years where, you know, that office space took me, you know, eight, nine months or or a year to, to fill.
1: I forgot that you had left that office and then gone back to it. Why did you leave it?
0: We left because I had purchased a a mixed-use space in the Center Square neighborhood of Albany in like 2004 or 2005, and Center Square is just premium urban location in the city of Albany right near the Empire State Plaza and the Capitol and trendy Lark Street. So now um, um, I've got some larger multifamily in that neighborhood. And it was just really elevating our portfolio at that point. And I was able to take over this office space at that location on Hudson Avenue. And my goal was to really build a business base in that neighborhood where now I could sell. Multifamily for four or five, $600,000, and also manage the inventory that we built up in a short period of time in Center Square. And I, I just wanted to take over that neighborhood.
1: So that's where you wanted to be. Why did you end up going back to Troy Anthony Road?
0: Well, it ended up being another eight, nine, 10 years in, in Center Square. So we continued to build up a portfolio successfully. And I was, uh, you know, a property manager of of 230 units at that point. And I I just, I feel like I just, I just played it out. I, I did not turn into that sales broker. I really wanted to be in that neighborhood. I, I found out that, you know, in real life, you know, I was known as the property manager in that neighborhood, not the sales broker. And I think the market in the neighborhood, I developed a lot of good relationships with people in that neighborhood, but, you know, they, they would list their properties with other brokers that specialize in that neighborhood and didn't utilize me. You know, they, they, they just saw me as the property manager. And, and I was not able to, you know, get that sales presence I wanted. So after eight or nine years, uh, you know, I, I maneuvered back towards Latham when that space came up and, uh, you know, went back to the old office.
1: What did you do to try and build that sales presence?
0: Oh, I did. Jeez, I was doing systems. Um, I would buy real estate sales systems that that are very, very effective. It, It comes down to, you know, on a daily basis, you're focusing on the property listings, your buyers, your clients. And, you know, the name of the game is, you know, developing that relationship with your clients and communicating regularly with your clients. So they always know, you know, what you're doing Um, with their business, you know, so there is a marketing plan, you know, so I developed a a 24 point marketing plan that, you know, was very, very effective, where I had difficulty was um, managing 230 units, and building a continuing to build a portfolio and that and that was taking away probably 70 or 80% of my energy and my time. And and I never focused more than 20% on the sales end. So I was never able to get that sales where I wanted it to be because my focus was more on the property management.
1: Yeah. At this point, you have a property management company, an investing company and a brokerage company. What do you think you could have done differently to have all three succeed? Because you would have needed help. You can't do it all on your own.
0: It was to really get somebody on the construction end, um, which I did, you know, I guess it's more of once again, it, it's, it's, I've always been the chokehold of my growth. So yeah, I had my partner, Greg was a construction guy. We had handyman who we were now starting to hire, you know, but I'm still um, doing a lot of that rehab work and I'm running. A lot of that rehab work. Where if I would have just removed myself from that whole construction process and just focused on acquisitions and brokerage, you know, I, I would have been much much better off because I always gravitated towards, you know, the construction side, which 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 took way too much of my attention.
1: I think it was Brandon Turner from Bigger Pockets who said that he actually threw out his tools. Cause there's no other option. And if they were still there, he'd be using them.
0: You wonder why, uh, you know, at this point, I'm so grateful to have made the decision to just hang up my property management shoes because I, I just was not able to shake, you know, that distraction, you know, right to the point, this, this is the funny part. I, I went from my Honda Accord recently, you know, to a new SUV and I was out of property management at this, at this point. I, I think you can remember when I was making a, a transition from my car that one day at the 39 unit where I'm emptying out a bunch of miscellaneous property management stuff out of my Honda Accord, you know, like three months ago. Yeah, that was definitely where, a work vehicle. Yeah. So where, where I'm putting it into our, our storage where, you know, to kind of jump into your Brandon Turner you know, I, I should have been taking all that stuff and just throwing it in the dumpster. Um, I should have done that with what was in my vehicles five or 10 years before that, which was always filled with tools and property management stuff. So I, I just could not shape that part of the business until I, I hired third party management. and I, And I think I'm close to being cured. It,
1: it takes a transition period, definitely.
0: Yeah, a long one for me.
1: Is there anything else you want to add for this one?
0: No, I think that sums it up. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, that was a good discussion. Thank you, Bill. I'm looking forward to the next one. All right, Steve. <laughs>